and uh, especially in these last days, I believe that he does. And um, I'm expectant of that. Amen. Every time I come to the house of God, uh, we need to we need to come expecting God to do great, great things. How many agree with that tonight? Amen. So uh, thank God we can come into the throne room and uh, fellowship with the Father, with the Almighty God. Well, we're in Proverbs. We're in chapter 3. And uh, we're going to pick up where we left off last week. You know, I had said we were going to try to do a chapter a week. And we did all right till last week. And uh, we had hit a snag there. But there was just so many good things there in this third chapter. I'll try to finish it tonight. I don't know, but, you know, whether we will or not. But as the Holy Spirit just, you know, leads and directs. But uh, in Proverbs chapter 3, let me, let, let's begin reading with verse 5 because this is where we ended up um, last Wednesday night. We did cover verse 5 and 6, I think. So we'll begin with verse number 5 because these are verses, verse 5 and 6 are special verses. I mean, verses 5 and 6 talk to us about, about completely completely, totally trusting in the Lord in every situation in life and in every area of our life. It's total. Those two verses are all about total dependence upon the Lord. And we need that today. Amen. And um, it's, 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 a, it's an all or nothing proposal. And I mentioned that last week when, when he said there in verse 5, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not to our own understanding. So, so trust is resting in the Lord when things happen that we do not understand. And we all have faced situations in our life. And I elaborated on that somewhat last Wednesday night, things that we don't understand. But in verse 6, let's just read 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, acknowledge the Lord, and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh. The King James says to your navel. Be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor the Lord. Boy, here's where we'll get some good stuff here. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord. Now he goes from, from our barns being filled with plenty and our, our wine presses overflowing to say, now don't, don't despise the chastening, the discipline of the Lord. So he goes to talking about that. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects. Amen. Just as a father, the son 
just as the Father, the Son, in whom he delights. Praise God. Father, add your blessing to the word of God tonight and your anointing. Help us to minister your word this evening. Amen. So, as I said, we are uh, to give total dependence to the Lord, trust in him with all of our heart. Don't lean to our own understanding because we don't understand everything. You know, uh, I, re- I think I ended up last Wednesday night reading Isaiah 55, 8, and 9, I think. and uh, But Isaiah 55, 8, and 9, because we were talking about our own understanding and how that, you know, we don't know everything. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that we see right now, we see through a glass darkly or dimly. We don't know everything right now. And we've sang songs about it in the past, you know. We'll understand it better by and by and, and all of those, th- those types of things because we don't have full understanding of everything that's going on in our lives. Amen. One preacher said it this way. We know what's happening. We can see what's happening, but we don't know what's going on. And God's what's going on in the background of our lives. God is directing us. If we do what verse 5 and 6 says, if we trust in the Lord with all of our heart and in all of our ways acknowledge him, then he will direct our paths. So even when we are facing situations, and that's why he said don't lean to your own understanding because we can know that when we're facing circumstances and situations and going through trials and going through different things that we can't figure out and we don't know why and we can't understand God will direct our paths reminds me of the of the passage of scripture I think it's first or second Peter 4 where Peter said do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing has happened to you has anybody ever went through something you said man I don't you know this is weird this is strange why would I have to go through this but we ended up with Isaiah 55, 8, 9, where God said, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So, you know, God, God's ways sometimes do not always parallel common sense. The Bible says that the foolishness of God is wiser than man. But we must, as verse 6 says, acknowledge God daily in everything we do. There shouldn't be a morning go by that we, that we don't spend some time in prayer, in fellowship and communion with the Lord, imploring the Lord to, to direct us, acknowledging Him that we need Him in this day. You know, yesterday's past and done and gone. Today's over with. I prayed this morning, you know, for God's Hey, I had to go to the city today, so I needed some special prayer. Amen. <laughs> I needed special protection. And, uh, but, uh, but, but every day, you know, to acknowledge God and to ask him to direct our paths. And if we do that, listen, he will guide us and he will show us the way. When we, we, 
when we are making plans, when we are trying to make decisions in our life, then we have to, we must consult God when we're making those decisions and seek His counsel in every manner, in every matter that we face. And if we do, we are assured of His promise, the promise that He gives here, that He will direct our paths. Do you believe that tonight? Amen. So that was 5 and 6, and that's where we where we quit last Wednesday night. But then in verse 7, he talks again about the fear of the Lord and about uh, being wise in our own eyes. And he says, do not be wise in your own eyes. And he had just talked about, you know, he had just talked about um, acknowledging God and not leaning to our own understanding. And then he says, don't be wise in your own eyes. But he says, fear the Lord. And I love this, fear the Lord and depart from evil. Those two are synonymous. When you talk about the fear of the Lord and shunning evil, those two are synonymous. If If you have the fear of the Lord, and we know what the fear of God is, and we've talked about that before, it's not a it's not a cringing fear that you're you you know as as a slave would be of a master that's gonna mistreat him or something or do something to him but the fear that we have the fear of the Lord is a fear is it's an honor it's a reverence of God that we don't want to do anything it's such a reverence of God that we don't want to do anything that would displease the father in any way that's a godly fear a holy fear that we have of the Lord and to fear God to fear the Lord is to depart from evil because you're not going to want to do anything to displease the Lord. We see that that's, that uh, that same um, synonymous terminology used referring to Job in the book of Job. And we've all read the book of Job, but three different times God himself bragged on Job to the devil and said concerning Job. I mean, this was God's testimony of Job. Have you considered my servant Job? He's an upright man. He's a righteous man. He's upright. One who, and here's what God said, one who fears the Lord and hates evil or shuns evil or the King James says eschews evil but it means to it means to uh, shun evil and so three different times God described Job as one who feared the Lord and shunned evil well that's what we need in our lives today within the church today you can see in the world listen in the world among those who don't know Jesus there's very little if, if, if not there's no fear of the Lord. They don't care whether they offend God or not. And, and uh, you know, they're pretty blatant anymore with their sin, and there's no fear of the Lord in their hearts or their lives. But um, those who fear the Lord will shun evil. The fear of the Lord is pure, one scripture says. So we need that today, don't we? 
Amen. We need that fear of the Lord and shunning of evil within the body of Christ, within the church today. Now, there are benefits that we reap from fearing God and from departing from evil. And notice in verse 8, after he gives us that, that, that command to fear God, not to be wise in our own eyes and to depart from evil and fear the Lord. Look at verse 8. Here's one of the benefits. He says that we would reap the benefits even of fearing God and departing from evil, we would even reap the benefits in our health. Amen? Look at verse 8. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Uh, so we reap those benefits of, you know, I think I might have mentioned it last week, a week before, that, that, that living a good, clean, godly life uh, there's a lot of benefits to that. It's the best life anybody can live is to live for Jesus. And there's a lot of benefits to living for Jesus. Amen. The best one is we get to go to heaven, praise God, and spend eternity with him and live forever. That's, that's a pretty good deal right there. But even in this life, the fear of the Lord and shunning evil and living for the Lord, it said, will be health to your flesh. Some people said, well, you know, it's spirit. It's all spirit spiritual blessings and listen there are abundance of spiritual blessings which we receive but there's also some physical blessings and material blessings that God gives to his people as well do you believe that tonight Amen. And so he says it'll be health to your flesh and strength to your bones Now sometimes sometimes but not all the time sin is the cause of illness in someone's life. But every time someone is sick, and I'm talking about within the church or within uh, the life of the believer in the body of Christ, Christians sometimes get sick, don't they? I wish I could say, you know, once you get saved, you'll never get sick again. I believe God wants us to be well, wants us to be healthy. But we're in a fallen world, aren't we? There's a devil out there. We're in a world that is filled with viruses and infections and, and microorganisms and all kinds of stuff. And so that's one reason we need to pray and trust the Lord to keep us, keep us protected from those things. But sometimes Christians get sick. But just because a Christian gets sick does not mean necessarily that they have sinned. Is that right? I know sometimes people think that, well, you know, somebody gets sick. We get that, people get that idea, that mindset like the disciples had. Remember when they passed by the man that was blind from birth and, and the disciples said to Jesus, who sinned? Was it him or his parents that he was born blind? And Jesus said, neither him nor his parents have sinned. didn't mean that they had never sinned, but it meant that the blindness of this young, of this young man, of this man, that, that he was born with that infirmity, was not, caused bec it was not because of a personal sin that, that his parents had committed. We know it wasn't because he sinned, because he was born blind. We know he hadn't sinned. He hadn't sinned before was born, amen, but that's the mindset that sometimes people get. Sometimes, though, sometimes we can, sickness does come because of, of, of sin in our life. You remember in James chapter 5, 
gospel. When James, you know, talks about the prayer of faith, and he says, uh, he talks about, is any sick among you? We all know those verses. Do what? Call for the elders of the church. And let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And he said, the prayer of faith shall save the sick or heal the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And then James says this, and if... And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Didn't say that the sickness was caused, was the cause, that sin was the cause of the sickness, but he said it's a possibility. But if sin brought the sickness, if he calls for the elders, he comes for prayer, they pray over him. If he sinned, not only will he get healed, but he get forgiven too. That's a pretty good deal right there. Amen. Praise God. So he says it will be health to your flesh. As I said, the King James says, uses the word navel, which refers to the umbilical cord. And that word health means to heal. So it will be healing and health to the navel, to the umbilical cord. And the image and the picture that is given there is of the health-giving nourishment and the strength that flow from the mother through the umbilical cord to her baby's body before that baby is born. And what this scripture is pointing to is the fact that the fear of the Lord and a good godly life will be will be will cause a healing flow to come. The healing virtue of God, the refreshing health of the Lord can flow in our bodies. We got to take care of them. Got quiet right there, didn't I said, we got to take care of our bodies. You know, we can, a lot of things, we can't just do anything or, you know, that we want to and say, well, now, Lord, now just, you know, keep me healthy. I'm going to do this anyway. We don't want to do that. But there's, there's, there's health that flows into us. And, 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 and as, we, um, as we trust the Lord and live for the Lord and live a good godly life, amen. I think we mentioned that. Just living clean. Has a lot to do with our health, doesn't it? Amen. Praise God. Oh, here's some good stuff. Verse 9. Honor the Lord. Now, we're talking about wisdom. These are things wisdom will do. Honor the Lord with your possessions. Now, Brother Rick, how can I honor the Lord? Well, right here, Solomon's telling us in these verses how to do that. With your possessions, with your stuff, with your substance. The King James says substance. But honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Praise God. I've always loved those verses of Scripture. Because fearing the Lord, fearing the Lord, and obeying the Lord, and walking in the wisdom of the Lord includes our finances and material things. Amen. Now, you know, we we got to teach and preach on that part of it, too, because that's a part of There's a lot in the Bible about our giving and our finances and supporting the work of the Lord. And I'm always telling you guys how much I appreciate your faithfulness to give here to Abundant Life Family Church. 
but it includes living for Jesus includes finances and material blessings. And this verse, among others throughout the Bible, tells us that God wants, God wants our first fruits. Isn't that what he says? Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits. And that's a key word right there. Because it's saying that God wants us to put him first in every area of our life, even when it comes to our giving. God doesn't want your or my leftovers. Amen. You know, as a pastor, a lot of time we, we, you get the leftovers. I've told these stories. I've told those stories. I don't want to get on a rabbit trail, but I've told those stories. First church we pastored up by Kansas City. We were just. I bet those. I've often thought about that church. Those people were so good to us. But I thought I was. I think we were twenty three years old. And I'm, I'm sure I was just a wealth of wisdom. You know. <laughs> And the pastor in that church, a little small church, a little small church in a small town. But, uh, but, but, but sometimes folks would bring us stuff, you know, that they didn't need. <laughs> they would have, they'd clean out their fridge. And, uh, well, we can't use this. Should we throw it away or give it to the preacher? We'll get, we'll get, scrape that mold off of there. <laughs> Amen. But uh, uh, the leftovers is what I'm talking about. And, uh, hey, we eat leftovers. We, we, we don't throw hardly anything. We eat everything. Amen. And, uh, but, but, but God doesn't want our leftovers. God wants our first. He wants, he wants our very best. And everything that we do for him and everything that we give for, to him, he wants our very best. Amen. So the first fruits was a token. Uh, you know, throughout in the book of, of Leviticus, uh, Deuteronomy, the, the, in the Torah, in the law, um, God told them they want that when they came into the land of promise and they planted their fields and God blessed them with great harvests and great crops, that the first fruits of those harvests they were to bring and to give to the Lord. And if they would give Give him the first. Oh, hallelujah. If they would give him the first, if they would put him first, that he would bless them, bless them abundantly. Amen. And so, you know, that's what God wants. He wants us to put him first in everything. And it was a token of their of their thankfulness and their gratitude for the blessings of the Lord. When they brought those first fruit offerings to God, it was their, it was their gratitude to him. They were saying, thank you, Father God, for those abundant harvest and this is this is what we bring back to you and that's the motive I always tell y'all when we talk about tithing and when we take up the tithe and offerings on Sunday, and I always tell you, you know, you're not you're not giving this, and I I don't, and and I know I'm maybe a little different, but I don't even like to use the terminology, and sometimes it'll slip out, and I'll say about talk about paying your tithes, but I don't like to use the terminology paying because I don't believe that tithing under the new covenant is a debt that we owe to God. Is anybody with me? Praise God. But I do believe that tithing still comes under the new covenant, but we don't 
pay it as a bill or a tax. I had a, I had a book one time, some sermons in a book, and, and uh, it was a sermon in there on tithing. And the title of it was Evading God's Tax Law. And I thought, you know, this is not, it's not a tax law. We're, God's not forcing you to give, but he's, you should want to give and give the first fruits. Why? Because of what he's done for you. And he's been so good to you. And he's blessed you. Amen. And I believe that every true born again believer Christian will want to tithe and give the first fruits to the Lord Jesus Christ and put him first in their giving and in their finances. But he doesn't want you to, to spend the best on yourself and give him what's left over. I've heard people do that. You know, well, pastor, I've just got so many bills. If I pay tithes, I wouldn't be able to pay my bills. They got the cart before the horse. They got things backwards. Amen. They're taking care of their self first. And maybe they shouldn't have got their self in that position where they got so many bills that they can't give to God. They've got too much obligation if they can't give to the Lord. But put God first. Now, what did he say? In Malachi chapter 3, the, the great tithing verses, you know. See, that was what was happening in the, in the book of Malachi. They were bringing the, you know, God wanted the best of the flock. He wanted the best of the sheep. He wanted every sacrifice that came had to be perfect. And so what they were doing in Malachi, and, and Malachi rebuked them for it. And God spoke to those people and he said, you've got a, you've got a perfect lamb over here, but you're bringing me one that's blind or one that's, that's lame or one that's, that's diseased. God said, I don't want that. I want your best. I want the first fruits. And then he talked to them about tithing in chapter 3 of Malachi. And he said, he said, bring the tithe. All the tithe. The tithe just simply means the tenth, 10%. Bring it into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And, and prove me, with, prove me, says the Lord. Put me to the test and see if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there won't be able, you won't have room enough to receive. And he said, I'll even rebuke the devourer for your sake. That, it, that the devourer, speaking of the locusts and the things that would devour their crops and, 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 and cause them not to have a good harvest. God said, I'll rebuke that. Listen, we've got a devourer today. The enemy would like to devour you and devour your income and devour your increase. But I'm telling you tonight, I believe the word of God that if you will put him first, put God first, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and give him the first fruits, God will open the windows of heaven and bless you and pour out a blessing and rebuke that devourer for your sake. And he said, put me to the test. See if I won't do it. That's the only time I know of that God said to test me, try me, to see if I'll do this or not. It's the promise of God. Amen. Jesus, Jesus said the same thing basically in Matthew 6.33 when he talked about them worrying about uh, what they'll eat, what they'll drink, what they'll wear. And he said, he said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. He said, don't worry about those things, about eating and 
drinking and what you're going to have and your, 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 your necessities of life. But he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. God will take care of us. You see, we're to give him. We're to give to him, not to get Huh? That's not to be our motive. And I know that's, that's been taught so much in some different circles. That, you know, they've made God out to be a, a big old divine glorified slot machine. Put your money in, pull the handle, and you'll hit the jackpot. And that's not, and people are, preachers use a lot of times. A, 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 a tactic of manipulating people to give. Well, if you'll give, God will pay your house off. If you'll give so much, send me one guy, one preacher. Here I'm getting on rabbit trails. We ain't going to get through this chapter tonight, are we? One guy had, said he had a, a $1,000 anointing. And if you'd give to him, you'd get $1,000. That's not the motive you give. I'm not giving, you know, to sending, sending somebody money just so I can give, get more money back. That's not the motive. If that's our motive, it's wrong. We give to him. We give to the Lord because he's given so much for us and to us. We give to him our first fruits and our best because, listen, he gave his son for us. He gave his best for us. Hallelujah. And we're honoring the Lord when we give to him the first fruits of what? All all of our increase, all of our increase. That tells me, those verses tell me that when we put God first and honor Him with our possessions, there will be an increase in our life. God will increase us. Come on, amen. I, 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 I'm not a health and wealth preacher, but I believe in health and healing and prosperity for God's people. It's all through the Bible. You're not going to manipulate God. You're not going to buy the blessings of God. But thank God we give to Him because He has done so much for us. And He, he promises for our giving the first fruits when we give Him our best that He would increase our possessions. And that he would make our harvest, listen to me, isn't that what he says here? Verse 10, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your, your vats will overflow with new wine. That he would make our harvest more than our barns can hold. He's Jehovah Jireh, right? The Lord I provide. He's El Shaddai, not El Chipo. Amen. He is the God who is more than enough. Praise God. Now, that doesn't mean we just, you know, somebody said, well, good. I'll just, uh, you know, I don't have to work or anything. I'll just sit back and live by faith. Let God take care of me. We got, yeah, we got to follow the laws of prosperity in the Bible. Let the Bible lay down. And uh, it teaches us. We'll get into some of that in Proverbs too. Amen. But God will make our harvest when we put him first. 
more than our barns can hold, and uh, he will bless us abundantly. Amen. So, give to God first, not what's left over, and watch him bless your life. Look at verse 11 and 12. Let's move down the line a little bit. What time we got? We're, we're moving along. My son, this is awesome here. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the son in whom he delights. This is something that a lot of t- many times is misunderstood, but it's not something that that we enjoy when we. A lot of people don't like correction. Amen. Do you agree with that? A lot of people don't. They don't like correction. Amen. I've had them tell me that. I don't. I person tell me I don't like rules. I don't. Well, God corrects us. The but the Word of God. One of the things about the Word of God is that it's it's for doctrine, instruction in righteousness, and re, uh, reproof and correction. So the Bible corrects us, doesn't it? Thank God we got the Bible that corrects us. And and listen, you better thank the Lord, if you're his child tonight, that he disciplines and corrects you as his child. Somebody that says, ah, the Lord never corrects me. Uh Uh-oh. Maybe you better do some checking up because he corrects his children and those whom he loves. And, and, and the writer of Hebrews in the 12th chapter of Hebrews um, got, it, you know, got in more detail on chastening and correction by the Lord in our lives. But the Lord chastens us and corrects us. Godly parents and good parents chasten and discipline and correct their children. And one of the problems we have in the United States and in the world today and uh, why we see so much lawlessness and tyranny and, and, and rebellion in the streets today is because a lot of parents never corrected their children and just let them do anything they wanted to do. Just left them alone. The Bible said in Proverbs that a child left to himself will bring his mother shame. Okay? Anybody here ever have your, did your mom or dad ever give you a spanking? Can we use that term? Huh? Praise God. Well, I don't know about that. My mom, she, <laughs> she was a master with the belt, with the switch, and if she had to be even with a high heel shoe. You know, just whatever was handy. But uh, we don't, you know, we don't advocate, and neither does the Bible advocate child abuse, right? But children have to be corrected. And, and God, the heavenly Father, chastens, disciplines, and corrects his children. 
Amen. And so this is what the 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 the, the um, what Solomon is talking about here is submitting ourselves to the chastening of God and not despising the chastening of the Lord or his correction. And um, he doesn't, when God chastens, he doesn't chasten as a punishment like we're a criminal. Amen. We're his children. He loves us. And he doesn't punish us as a criminal, but he disciplines and corrects as a parent disciplines a child. And can I tell you something? I'm going to say this. God does not discipline you or his children uh, with sicknesses and diseases. Are you listening to me? Would an earthly father, and the Bible is very plain, that he chastens us, the father of spirits chastens us as earthly fathers chasten their children. Would an earthly father chasten or train or discipline their child with cancers or tumors or any kind of sickness or disease? No, we wouldn't do that. Amen. Why? Because we love. If, if, you, had, if you did something like that, they'd throw you in prison. But yet we we think, well, God is, 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 is doing that to his children, to his people. No, he's not. Can you get out of the will of God and get away from God and refuse the correction of God and get out from under the protection of God and the enemy attack you with a sickness or disease? Well, absolutely. That can happen. But God's not using diseases to discipline his children. Come on, amen? True chastening and correction is, is by learning the will of God through the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. That's what God uses to correct us and chasten us and discipline us. He uses the Word of God and the Holy Spirit corrects us and chastens us. Amen? You know when God's dealing with you about something, when you've, when you've disobeyed or when you need to be brought in line. And every single one of us come to that place sometimes in our walk with the Lord that we need to be brought back in line. And thank God for His chastening that He doesn't just let us go and do what we want to do, but He will take us to the woodshed every once in a while. Amen. I'm glad he does. Whoo, hallelujah. If he and he does that because he loves us. And he 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 wants us to be he wants us to be led and taught and shown the will of God in our life and led in the right way. The Bible says that the chastening of God, the chastening of the Lord in our lives is for our good that we might become partakers. Hebrews 12.10 says that we might become partakers of His holiness. So He chastens us in love to keep us from sin, and that chastening prepares us for special blessings. His chastening is not to harm us, but it's to help us, and it's to do us good. Can I get an amen tonight? Praise God. Thank God for the correction and the chastening of the Lord. He deals with our spirits. He's the father of spirits. He deals with our spirits through the Holy Spirit, through the Word of God. So we are to submit to the chastening of the Lord. 
And there's so much in the Word of God on that. So that'd be a good study for you to do on the correction and chastening of the Lord. But here's the bottom line. Submit to it. Don't do like I did when I was a little boy and my grandma wanted to chasten me and I'd run from her. Huh? That's a bad thing to do. I should have known. She's going to catch me sometime. Amen. And she always told me, oh, if I catch you, I'm going to whip you. You're getting it worse. Amen. <laughs> and she meant it too. Amen. She did. She meant it too. So don't run from the correction of the Lord. Submit to it. It would have been a whole lot better off in those days when I was little if I'd have just said, okay, let's get this over with. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm going to take it like a man. And then, you know, well, Ricky, this is going to hurt me more than it does you. Come on, give me a, give me a break, Grandma. <laughs> Amen. But submit to it. Lord, all right, I've missed it, God. I've messed up. Straighten me out here. Show me the right way. And God will do that. And when you submit to the chastening of the Lord, it makes things so much easier. He brings you back in line, and it causes us to be, that's part of the sanctification process, and make us partakers of his holiness. And he chastens us in love to keep us from sin. Amen. Well, praise God. Let me, let me do another couple of verses, and we'll quit for tonight, all right? Where are we at? Verse 13 starts off with one of my favorite words, happy. Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. For her proceeds are better than the profits of silver and her gains than fine gold. She's more precious than rubies. Listen to this. And all the things that you may desire cannot compare to her. Length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand, riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life. Speaking of wisdom, she is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. And here it is again. And happy are all who retain her. Amen. See, true wealth and true happiness comes from God's godly wisdom. And knowing that ways of the Lord and the wisdom of God and following the wisdom of God. Somebody said this, and I loved it, but it, it, somebody made this statement and said, it's good to have the things that money can buy. But don't lose the things that money can't buy. And there are some things that money cannot buy. I don't care how much money you got. It can't buy true happiness if you don't know Jesus Christ. Isn't that right? There's multi-millionaires tonight in the world that are miserable and don't have near the happiness of joy that you all have here tonight. Praise God. Isn't that right? Hallelujah. What good is a palatial home or a mansion or an expensive house if there's no happiness and there's no joy and there's no love in that place? Amen. So see, the believer has the best of both worlds. Proverbs 17, 1 says, Better is a dry morsel with quietness than a house full of feasting with strife. I love the way the Living Bible says it. It says, A dry crust 
eaten in peace is better than a steak every day along with argument and strife. So see, it don't matter if you if all you got's a crust of bread. Glory to God. All you got's a crust of bread to eat. But there in your home is joy and Jesus is there and you're living for God and you're loving God and you know that praise God Jesus is the Lord of your life. I'm telling you what, you are truly happy and you can have the joy of the Lord in the midst of that situation. That's true happiness and true joy. And only living in the wisdom of God can bring that into our life. Isn't that right? Happiness and pleasantness and peace are not guaranteed byproducts of financial success, but they are guaranteed to the person who lives by God's word and in God's wisdom. He said her proceeds are better than the profits of silver. Her gains are better than fine gold. She's more precious than rubies. And he says that over and over. And I thought, my poor old ruby. Amen. She <laughs> over and over is talking about wisdoms better than ruby. I felt sorry for ruby. Amen. But you know what he's talking about? He's talking about money and wealth and riches and diamonds and silver and gold and jewelry and all the things that this world treasures and all the things that this world uh, that this world tries to get a hold of and grasp and they're grasping at that but it can't bring true it can't bring true peace and pleasantness and happiness that those things are only the byproduct of those men and women who know Jesus Christ and live and walk in the wisdom of God and the word of God and serve the Lord Jesus Christ with all their heart are you glad you got some wisdom from God are you glad you're you can say I can say I'm happy tonight happy is the man that finds wisdom that gets understanding well if you're going to find it that means you got to hunt for it you got to look for it you got to mine for it you got to dig for it you got to cry out for it but God will give that wisdom to those who seek him amen and when we walk in it and we're corrected by the Lord Praise God, he guarantees us happiness, happiness. All the things that you may desire cannot compare to it. Length of days in her right hand, in her left hand, riches and honor. When I read that, and I'm closing here, it's time to quit. When I read that, speaking of, of wisdom, length of days, there's that longevity again, I think we talked about last year. I always Point to Sister Marie, 99 years old. She's living proof that, this, that these scriptures are true. Um, um, but he says, length of days is in wisdom's right hand. And in her left hand, riches and honor. And I thought about that. And there's, a, there's, there's another verse that says, talks about looking not to the right hand, or to the left, but looking straight ahead. And I thought about that today, and I was just pondering that verse a little bit, and I thought, you know what, we, I've made this statement before. God talks about seeking his face, doesn't he? The face of God, the countenance of God, the, the presence of God, the will of God, seeking his, the face of God. And too many people today are seeking what's in the hand of God. 
And in one hand is length of days, and in another hand riches and honor. In other words, there's blessings God has for us. But you know what? We don't seek those things. But if we seek God and his wisdom and his face, we'll get what's in his hands. Whew. I don't know. That did something for me today. Man, didn't do, do nothing for you tonight, but that, that blessed me. So seek him and his ways and his wisdom because her ways, the ways of wisdom are pleasantness and all her paths are peace, a tree of life to those who take hold of her and happy are all who retain her. Praise God. Let's stand tonight and praise God. Just lift our hands and bless him tonight. Oh, Father, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for your blessings. 